Welcome to episode 14, The Importance of Women Doing Things on Their Own. Today we are joined by Kat Savage from the Brave Moment podcast, who's done some incredible things in her life. Um, one of such uh, we're going to be talking about today, and maybe we'll talk about some others too. And obviously we also have Leanne here, and everyone is dialing in because we are in lockdown. So hello, Leanne. Hello, Kat. Hello. Hi. How are you doing, Sarah? How I'm doing, good. I'm good. I'm on day um, seven of being totally locked in, but, you know, in quarantine. in quarantine. But I'm doing quite a lot of work, so it's actually all right. <laughs> how are yeah, you, Kat? And how are you, <laughs> Yeah, we're the same. We're kind of, we're just sat at home trying to work as much as we can. <laughs> oh, bless. <laughs> quite full on, isn't it? So yeah, so let's let's just jump in and start talking about. So we want to do this podcast because um, I think there's, well, I find definitely working with women that there's a a lot of kind of, um, I don't know, women don't tend to put themselves first a lot of the time to spend time on their own, or they lack confidence to spend to do things, or you know, there's they might have health issues or a whole range of things, and you know, it's it's been found to be so important to have time on your own for your well-being you know for things like learn you know getting to know yourself having time to self-reflect and you know be able to do things at your own pace and just not having to worry about other people I think that's a massive strain on your mental health all the time is always putting other people first and thinking about yourself and yeah Kat you you're like an absolute inspiration for that you know the things that you've done your your life is basically I always think of it as like um what's that film eat pray love or wise <laughs> that's what i think that's your life you're basically you live in a movie well, i'm glad it's portrayed that way <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure it's like that all the time but you have done some absolutely incredible incredible things thank you <laughs> yeah so what i mean what kind of drives you i mean you i, I imagine that you know obviously you must have the confidence to do it but there must be times when you think shit what we're doing and I mean this is basically what your whole podcast is about really isn't it it's having this this you know an ability to be brave and all that kind of you know stuff but yeah talk to us a little bit about it yeah so um I mean I'm really really lucky in the fact that I have very very supportive people around me and I think in order for for women to really come into their own then it's good to surround yourself with people that have the same kind of inspirations or visions as you. So, you know, like, you know, like yourselves, I, I try my best to surround myself with people that inspire me um, and that motivate me to, to do more. Um, because I don't know, I, I mean, I look at life and, you know, getting a bit cheesy and cliche here, but you never know when that life's going to be taken away from you. And if you've ever lost anybody, then it spurs you on to, to be even more, I don't know, adventurous to, to come into mm. life in every moment and try and be present in it. So, so for me, it's, it's more about taking each moment as it comes and building on those yeah. moments than it is about looking at something as, oh, that's a really big deal. And, I, you know, it's a big overwhelming thing or whatever. If you break it down into small, tiny moments, then anything is achievable at any point at any time. It's just our fear that sort of gets in the way of that. So, 
um, personally, that, that's how I try and live my life. And and I'm really, really lucky that I've had parents that have installed that in me from a very, very early age. So I've always been sort of an adventurous person, I suppose. Yeah, which is an interesting thing, because for me, I think a lot of things that stop, that stops me doing stuff is fear. Mm. And, uh, and fear is different for everybody. I mean, I don't lack self-confidence by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> so for me, it's never about confidence, but it but it is often about fear. Mm. And, um, you know, particularly with like traveling or, you know, I love being in new places, but the getting there, the fear of that change. Um, so I think fear is a big thing. And I and I, I wonder whether when you um, put yourself outside your comfort zone, which is basically what we're kind of talking about, aren't we? that you you kind of really increase your circle because if you don't put yourself outside your comfort zone you just your circle gets smaller and smaller and smaller um it, i find it quite interesting yeah that kind of thing i i mean i totally agree um i always make it a good well good part of my week <laughs> to try and put myself outside of my comfort zone as much as I can whether that's taking on a new project so for instance this week um obviously we're in our first sort of week of second lockdown I thought hmm what shall I do this week? I know I'm going to learn Japanese. So for the last three days, I've learned the the 107 hiragana of, of Japanese characters um, with, with constant tests for myself because just keeping your mind stimulated and proving to yourself that you can do something that maybe, you know, in this time that we've been given and it really is, you know, quite a lot of time, maybe to try some of the things that you wouldn't usually um, maybe to try something that seems really scary, like learning a new language or something like that, and just breaking it down. And I think that's that's the ticket to breaking down fear is not to look at something and go, I'm really scared of it, but just to go, okay, well, what's the first step? What's the first thing that I can do immediately to make this thing happen? And once you've done the first step, then the second step seems easier, then the third, and then eventually with those steps, you find other people that are interested in what you're doing. And so you start to expand your circles and you reach out to other people, just like you do with, with your podcast and all the rest of it. You have to push yourself to sort of further your education and also to further your, your friendship field, I guess. Yeah. And with each, I think with each kind of goal that you attain, your you know level of confidence your belief in yourself that you know the fear dissipates with you know each tiny step that you take you suddenly you your confidence rises think actually I can achieve absolutely yeah and it grows and grows and grows then but it is it's that it's that initial taking that first initial leap which I think so many people don't do they just like you know they just see the end the end goal and think that's just too massive Mm. yeah and then they end up getting bored and stale yeah or you get to a point where you've started a load of things, but you've never finished anything because the starting mm. is really exciting, isn't it? But actually getting stuck into something going, oh, actually, this could become real. That's mm. that's when most people will quit stuff because the that, that point where it could potentially change their life. Some people then crawl back and think, oh, no, no, mm. it, it's safer to stay where I am. I know this place. I know mm. what's comfortable. But then they never get further yeah. than that that dream of maybe you know tipping over the edge of that moment that could potentially change their lives yeah no I mean I'm definitely very mixed on that so I'm really confident taking big steps when it comes to um certain things and it doesn't bother me at all but then other things I find you know I get quite fearful about um and it's it's interesting so Kat what's the scariest thing you've 
ever done. <laughs> and I'm going to ask Leanne in a minute, so Leanne, stop thinking. Oh, my goodness. The scariest thing I've ever done. Um, well, I mean, there's a couple of things. Um, first of all, I mean, the most obvious thing is, um, you know, last the year before last, I, I walked the length of Great Britain. Um, and so wow. that was, that was pretty scary. Just the, just on your own, on my okay. own. Yeah. On my own as a woman for 90 days consecutively. And, uh, and I started that walk two weeks before the, the beast from the East, the big Siberian snowstorm hit the country. <laughs> we know how England copes with snow. We just don't. Um, yeah. so yeah, there, I mean, that was, that was scary. I, I mean, not necessarily starting it because, you know I'm very much of the philosophy take every day as it comes so um that wasn't scary but being you know craned out of a landslide that was scary or having to to walk four hours vertically up a up a riverbank with a raging river below with your bag on your head that was scary <laughs> there were wow. there were there were a couple of moments where I thought oh oh I might die <laughs> So wait a minute, with the landslide, let's just reverse it because there's rather a lot of information in that few sentences you spoke. So with the landslide, so what happened? Um, so the beast of the, the east had just hit the country and uh, I knew it might be a problem when, uh, when I walked over the Severn Bridge. Um, it was just starting to come in there and it was coming in really thick and fast. I thought, hmm, okay. Um, a few days few days later and and I was in the Y Valley and the the walk the way to stay away from the roads is to go right down into the valley and then walk out uh, the other side of it so I went right down into the valley as the snow was getting very very thick and and my intuition was like mm, I should probably find somewhere to stay this isn't going to get any better um so I thought okay I, I'll walk for another six or seven miles and then and then I'll stop and take a day's break and uh so I carried on the path and about an hour before I got to the path, I found out um, there had been a massive landslide. But because I didn't have any signal on my phone, I was in the middle of, a, of you know, of the, the worst weather our country, I think, has ever had. Um, I couldn't call anyone. I hadn't been checking in with the news or the weather that day. Um, and uh, yeah, and I got to this point where there was a massive landslide and it was a landslide across the path that I was taking uh, across the path below me and across the road above me. So it was either a case of turning back and basically at that point walking eight or nine miles back, which after you've been walking for hundreds of miles uh, is the last thing you want to do <laughs> or to try and get to try and get past the landslide. <laughs> so I was stuck there going what to do what to do um so I looked up and I thought well maybe I could climb it and then you know your instincts kicking go oh no that's a silly idea but then luckily there was a man at the at the very very top of the landslide on the road and he'd seen me down where I was and he started to shout down he's like oh do you need some help and I was like actually yeah I think I do <laughs> And asking for help if you're a brave person is a really, really hard thing to do. Um, so luckily, him and his team were up there because of the landslide and they were craning stuff out of the way and, and all the rest of it. So they were able to send me down a rope on their equipment. And basically, I, I climbed up the side of this landslide with with their help, luckily. Um, and then they did have to actually take me back along the road and I had to to rewalk a few miles. But yeah, that was that was pretty scary because it was I had to obviously go up the side of the landslide. Uh, it was very, very uneven. 
I didn't have any safety equipment. I had a stone's worth of backpack on my back and I had five or six men just shouting at me the whole time. <laughs> so yeah, that, that was that was scary. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> wow. And then so when, when you got to the top, mm -hmm. what, what, what did you just carry on walking or do you think, OK, I need a little rest? Um, I did need a rest. It, it's quite hard work walking up a up a landslide of rubble and stuff especially when your feet are wow. slipping and it's snowing yeah. um, so they were really lovely they you know they gave me a nice hot drink in their in the little car and then the guy uh took me back to a point where I'd started to go down uh to that route so essentially I'd walked those miles up to the landslide they drove me back to the beginning of that walk which was about four or five miles from where I was and I just had to rewalk those four or five miles in a different direction basically uh which which was gutting um because yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that that ended up being about 25 30 mile walk um and and you hurt a lot and in low mm. visibility it's it's just a lot on the senses um so yeah, yeah. And, and it was it was coming in thick and fast at that point so I was really really cold and sweating and yeah it, it was just it was not a, an ideal combination let's put it that way <laughs> no so how many miles did you walk on average on a per day then it depended on my feet um so initially I was walking sort of 15 to 20 miles a day and then as the the my tendons in my feet started to get really really hardcore tendonitis um i was walking maybe four or five miles towards the end um per day mm -hmm. so hence why it took such a long time um mm. because yeah no one tells you that you know you think you're just going for a walk every day and most people on average m maybe walk two or three miles if they're doing what they consider to be a longish walk in their day with a family mm. and a dog um mm. and if you're not used to walking you know 15 20 miles a day for three months um then then mm. you get a lot of pain i mean i, I was walking pretty much 24 seven every single day on on a minimum of about 12 blisters on my feet uh, my toenails have fallen off at that point and I had oh, tendonitis wow. and yeah it, it's hard <laughs> it's, it's hard deal <laughs> so what what were you thinking like why did you do it um why did I do that's a very good question because I want to say I did it because I was doing it for charity, which is a part of the reason. Um, mm -hmm. But I think the main reason was because I just wanted to do something significant, which which seems like a silly thing to want to do. But um, if you think in, in the way that I think, which is, you know, you want to, to make the most of every day and you want to leave something behind you when you're gone, then you start to think a little bit bigger than, you know, maybe just doing something small in your day you start to think okay well if I want to leave a legacy that you know when I'm gone I don't have children so I've got no one to pass this information on to but I'd like to think that some someday 50 years down the line when I'm gone that someone in my family will pick up a journal one day and think you know what my my great aunt or my you know my gran or whatever is a is a real hoot and uh, and she did some really cool mm -hmm. things and that might inspire someone else so so for me, it was it was to see whether I could do something big, um, bigger than I'd ever done before, and and something significant, something that I could say, you know what, I've done that. That's a big thing, um, and therefore, if I can do it, then you can do it, um, which is kind of the philosophy that I'm trying to breed into other people as I'm coaching them and all the rest of it. So. Uh, I think, you know, if you're going to do something and then talk to people about doing it themselves, then you need to have done it yourself in the beginning, you know? 
Sorry about the doorbell. <laughs> it's so pretty. <laughs> um, I know it's all right. I don't have to answer the door, so it's fine. God, it's it's amazing. So I wanna I wanna talk more about this. So yeah, talk to any, us about your, any, um, Oh, sorry, Leanne. You, yeah. Can you speak up, Leanne? Yeah, talk to us about because I loved hearing about what happened with your kind of connection with nature mm. as you mm. walked by yourself mm-hmm. across fields and rivers and everything else. Yeah. So. Um, this is this is another reason why doing stuff you know for yourself and on your own is so important because obviously if I'd done that walk with another person uh yes I would have had the company yes it would have been probably a lot more fun on some days at least but I would never have had the opportunity that I had to reconnect with nature in the way that I did um and anyone you know I'd imagine that most of your followers of the podcast are very much like yourselves you know strong confident women or, or women that aspire to be that way and you both of you yourself are are quite happy doing your own independent thing you get so much out of it right so Mm. for me the the most beautiful thing was learning to watch nature and be in nature with nature so when I say that learning to watch nature um on moments where I'd lost my GPS signal or I didn't have the map or it's getting dark uh, that there, there was one point actually uh, near the beginning when I was on Bodmin Moor and I'd lost my way. I'd gone across the moor, I'd gone in the wrong direction <laughs> and I totally lost my way and, and it was getting really dark and I could have put up a tent and stayed there but I wasn't sure where I was, I wasn't sure what the land was like and I, I wasn't comfortable with that so I really wanted to find my way back to either a farm or, or somewhere like that that I could stay. Anyway so I just stood still and I breathed and I thought okay I'm just going to observe my surroundings and see what I can find and see if I can sense my way back. So I looked up at the stars and they were no help to me. I didn't know how to read them. But (laughs) I started to watch the animals and the animals, when humans aren't around, do wonderful things. They go towards the road and they go towards rivers. So I was watching the animals and they're all sort of slowly going in one direction. So I thought, well, they obviously know where they're going, so I'm going to follow them. (laughs) So I did. And I followed the animals and they were all going for the grass on the road, obviously, because the people went there and the cars went there. So by the time I'd followed these animals for about a quarter of a mile, if that, I was already back on the road. And I felt so lost, just that small amount of of measurement away from the road because I, I couldn't see my surroundings properly out and it was really really dark but just following what the animals were doing naturally got me back to a path so that was one moment and the next moment was um again uh when I was up near the Y Valley and there's a there was a really long river and I was following the river because uh if you follow the river then you know you're going to get to a smaller river or a big sea or something like that so I was trying to use the land a lot more than my GPS because I didn't like using technology at that time and I'd noticed that I had a couple of swans that were keeping pace with me and then I'd stop and they'd stop and then I'd walk and then they'd keep pace with me and then I'd stop and they'd stop and they followed me for the whole seven miles of that river and it was one of the most beautiful things that I've ever felt to have two animals so curious about 
me being in their surroundings, I guess, um, that they they moved with me the whole time. And it was just me and these two swans in a dead silence with the snow. And it was absolutely beautiful. Um, and then finally, the, the thing that I started to learn was bird calls. Uh, I started to to know well. I started to see that birds would do the same thing. If you go into an environment and you're walking in that environment for about 20 miles, the birds start to follow you. The birds start to call to other birds. Animals get curious about you. You have squirrels and things following you. you feel a bit like Snow White. Um, and and even <laughs> like to the point where I could call sheep. That was a gift that came out of uh, of that experience. I learned how to to herd sheep, which was quite a gift, uh, especially when you're in a field and you need to get through a whole heap of animals to be able to to work with the animals and to call them in a way that they understand. That was a that was really cool as well. So, the more you spend time with connect, like connecting with nature, the more natural your instincts become, and the more mm. accepting. Uh, you become in that environment because at, at that time when you're walking those distances you are welcomed into that environment that environment is not yours you are you're taken into it by the animals that are in it because they need to know whether you're a threat or whether you're safe and they will communicate with other animals in that sort of area miles you know a couple of miles from where you are to to like the next lot of animals for instance and it that was really really interesting it's something I've never noticed before is that animal communication and then accepting you into the environment and they become a lot more confident they don't see you as a threat they'll start walking with you or they'll start calling with you or you know whatever so yeah it was it was a beautiful beautiful moment <laughs> that I wouldn't have had if I was with other people yeah amazing love it <laughs> it sounds amazing so have you got any other um you know like the landslide story any other really scary things that yeah happened? so um and I'll send you I'll send you a picture afterwards <laughs> ah, so I was walking along the road Tweed and um I I had a similar sort of situation to the landslide I'd walked along the river which had worked for me for a lot of my journey, to be honest. Um, you know, the, the beautiful thing about being in England is that we're surrounded by water and actually water is its own map. So I was following a lot of the rivers. I'd followed the River Tweed. And um, however, I'd miss, not misread my my map so much, but I'd misread where the river was going to go. Uh, and, it, and it just stopped. <laughs> this path just stopped. And in its place was a ginormous riverbank. And I, I'm not talking like a small one that you could just step up. Think about being, you know, in the hilliest of hilliest places and looking at the top of the biggest hill in the hilliest of hilliest places, um, mm. vertically with bush uh, all the way up. And uh, and me being me, feeling, you know, pretty confident by this point, because I was sort of halfway through my walk at this point, I thought, you know what, I don't want to walk eight miles back to to where I need to go to take the other route. I'm going to scale the, the riverbank, <laughs> which I wish I'd never done. Like, I really regret doing that. If you ever walk the length of England, don't scale a riverbank. It's not cool. It's not clever. You end up nearly dying. So this river is big. If you know the River Tweed, uh, it's a big raging river. It's not a tiny one. Uh, and so I took my one stone of backpack and I put it on my head and using my head to sort of shunt it up the side of this riverbank, I started to to walk up the riverbank um, using the root system of the of the brush to try and get myself up. And 
I'd say about 20 minutes in, it felt as though I hadn't gone anywhere and I really hadn't gone that far. Uh, I looked down and, and it was it was very, very scary. I looked down and thought, I can't, I've got no choice now. I have to keep going up. Um, and so I carried on for about an hour. I still was maybe a third of the way up at this point after an hour, really, really exhausted. Uh, I started to cry quite heavily. I was hyperventilating. Um, I didn't know what to do. And and part of me was like, I need to drop my backpack. I need to just drop it in the river and and try and get myself out of this situation. Um, but then I was thinking, no, because my whole life's in my backpack. <laughs> so, so I just had to carry on. And when you're in a situation where you either have to carry on or literally fall to your death, and it would have been at that point very, very awful uh situation at the end of it I, I don't think I would have survived it to be honest if I if I'd let go and and gone back down because I just couldn't um you you're faced with giving up or you have to keep going and so I I said to myself and it was a mantra I used on the on the walk a lot I was like okay it's minutes not hours minutes not hours minutes not hours again sort of feeling into or leaning into that take each moment as it comes and um and so I would just in my head, I would count from 60 seconds down to one. And once I'd done that, I'd do it again and again and again. And five hours later, I was at the top of that riverbank um, in amongst brambles. I've been cut everywhere. Um, I was, you, you know, when you come up onto a main road, you see all the brush and the brambles uh, by the, you know, on the hard shoulder of the road. I was coming up into the the brambles towards this main road at that point. Um, and yeah, I, I got really shredded. Uh, everywhere cuts on my face cuts on my hands on my arms on my legs like literally everywhere was was absolutely shredded um, and then when I got to that point I used my backpack to sort of shunt my way through through the brambles onto the road and by the time I got up there I was oh <laughs> I've never been so happy to see cars in my whole entire life or tarmac <laughs> you don't want to mess with mother nature she knows what she's doing <laughs> Wow, oh. and probably all those cars were not at all realizing what you just what just no. happened. <laughs> I was some kind of weird zombie apocalypse survivor <laughs> at that point. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's amazing! What about you, Sarah? I want to know what's yours before you ask me. What's your um? What's the bravest thing you've done? I think probably the yeah. bravest thing that I did was when my well, th this is for me. I mean, for some people, they'd be like. God, that's nothing. But I think for me, it probably is when we, when um, Marta, so my husband Martin lost his job when my children were really young, and the two of the kids were in private school at that point as well. And we basically just rented our house out and went to Thailand with all three kids. And uh, and I, you know, particularly I don't like flying and I don't like change, and it was you know the kids were quite young and it was quite scary and uh, yeah we just we just did that and went off for six months and uh, it was incredible but before I was like literally numb from fear I'm not gonna lie and that traveling to the airport I was like what the fuck am I doing and you know with with a, th a three-year-old and, and and the three-year-old uh, well she has special needs and so she was quite challenging at the time and uh, just getting on that plane. And I remember just sitting in the airport lounge, literally numb with fear. <laughs> mm -hmm. And uh, and What then, about on your own? Anything on your own? Anything on your own? Oh, on my own, on my own, on my own. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think probably this, the scariest thing that, that I've done is when I was working, I would be 
uh, working in um, all over the place, but particularly Poland and places like that. And I would be completely on my own. No one spoke yeah. any English and I'd have to navigate myself around all these hospitals and um, kind of lechy men trying to take me out for vodka. Yeah. And I and I and I didn't drink at that point, and having to kind of navigate without being rude around yeah. that. I mean, probably that was on my own. That was probably the you know. I remember being lost in Poland at the side of the road, and going into a petrol station, and they just couldn't understand what I was saying. And you know, I didn't. I had a mobile phone, but you know, there was no Google Maps at that point, yeah. and uh, having to try and find my way to Gdansk. Um, from I don't even know where I was and it was really scary and I just I, I did manage I can't even remember the detail but you know I'm still here so yeah. I think that was probably the, the kind of scariest thing is driving in a place where you know I didn't know where I was going that's probably the scariest thing on my own what about that, you? I'll come to one minute but I just wanted to just touch on that because it is a massive thing that women do have to deal with it's it's like you said the lechy men like there is that when you do go out into the world on your own as a woman you do face things that men don't really have to think about which is you know men you know how men are going to react to you or you know even just kind of walking around cities at night on your own or you know things you have to think about yeah kind of do need to keep yourself safe yeah but then you know sometimes you've just got to just I don't know no and it and it is tricky because at the time I um I was expected to so I was managing large clinical trials and um and it was expected of me to take these doctors and professors out in the evening um and you know and I and to be fair you know nothing ever happened but some of the older professors really and and doctors really did you know, they loved having a 26-year-old bit of arm candy. Um, oh, I, I call myself arm candy. I mean, that's you know, <laughs> it's a bit arrogant. But, you know, I was young. And um, and they enjoyed taking me to restaurants with their colleagues. And, and uh, yeah, and I, and I, to be fair, I did play on it a bit because at that time it was all about getting them on board and getting them to do stuff. And I did use my female kind of thing to to get them to do things but not you know but uh, yeah yeah anyway that that was it really what about you Leanne yeah so I think my so I'd I'd had I'd got to the point this was about 10 years ago now maybe a bit more um and I'd you know I was I started off had my kids young and I got to the point where I was just losing myself in being a mum and in fact I found I remember finding it quite hard even though I craved alone time I used to find it hard to to be on my own. I'd either feel guilty for being on my own or I would just I was just scared because I was so used to having the crutch of the children mainly around me that the thought of leaving them it was like almost leaving a part of myself behind and I didn't feel complete and that kind of scared me because that was like I don't want to become that person. That's fine for people that want to but I don't I didn't want to be that person. I wanted you know, I, did, I, didn't want, I didn't want to become somebody that grew up and my kids would eventually move away and I'd be, I would just fall apart. And, yeah, the, the, I was at the time I was studying um, neuro-linguistic programming and the, the opportunity to, came up to go on a, to do a modelling project in Botswana. And I was like, OK, I'm going to be 
to do this, I'm going to have to go off for a month and leave behind, um, you know, my four kids with, with their dad. And it was, yeah, it was pretty scary. And, but I did it. I went off and um, spent two weeks with the Saab people in the Kalahari Desert. And it was, yeah, again, similar to like Kat's experience of just living with the land and, you know, their, um, you know, hunter-gatherer tribes and they use their, you know, sensors for tracking and they hunt, still hunt with bows and arrows, even though it's illegal, the, the government have made it illegal, but they still do it because that's the, you know, it's, it's legal to hunt with a gun, but not with a bow and arrow, which is completely insane. But yeah, it was just amazing. And again, you know, I was there with people that didn't speak my language. We did sometimes, um, there would be someone around that could translate stuff. But a lot of the time I was just kind of on my own with mainly women. I did go out a couple of times and did some hunting stuff with the men. But it was, yeah, mainly on my own with the women who I couldn't communicate with um verbally but through body language and and it was yeah it was just amazing and I, I did spend a lot of time crying and dealing with stuff that was coming up for myself but if I hadn't have had that experience I I don't think I'd be the, the person that I am now and it it was so important like it, I cannot like I can't get my head around sometimes how much that kind of changed me so, yeah, but that's, and that's the thing. I think you need time alone. You need that time to really process where you are and who you are because our values are constantly changing all the time and yet we don't give ourselves the time to reflect on where we are and where we're at. And I think that's, you know, really important. You, you It's so easy to kind of end up losing yourself. I also think, like, what, what you've just said is, I mean, those moments, if you if you're you know, allow yourself to take those moments on your own. When you look back on them, you know, years later, they're like little lifelines, they're little boys in a big ocean, aren't they, of your life. And mm. you look back on them, even if at the time they were really tough, you look back on them, you think, you know what, I'm so proud of myself for doing that. Or I'm so different as a person who, you know, who would I have been if I hadn't have done that? You know, what strengths have I gained from those experiences when you look back on it? And hindsight is a wonderful thing, isn't it? When you yeah. when you look at those moments that you've done all by yourself and survived. And then you can start to question, you know, what else can I do? What 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 else am I capable of? What else am I limitless in? And uh, and when you start to to open up to the possibility and you push fear aside, then everything is possible for you, isn't it? And being on your own doesn't seem so scary because being on your own actually means being empowered on some yeah, level absolutely oh, amazing well it's been fantastic um chatting to you cat um and uh Ooh. look forward to coming on to your podcast yeah <laughs> wanted to um just quickly say to you know any of our listeners at home that you know kind of we've spoken about some pretty kind of life-changing um events but you know time on your own doesn't have to be Quite so. Oh, yeah, I almost forgot Leanne's top tips. Sorry, Leanne. Sorry, yeah, Leanne. So my top tips, and I've, I've because we are still in lockdown, I have thought of little things that you know people can do at the moment. And I know you know time is is difficult if you've you know got people to look after, but it's making sure that you put time aside for yourself and just doing something little. So things that you can still do in lockdown are taking yourself out for walks, um, doing things like stargazing watching get watching the sunset or the sunrise 
maybe like picking up an instrument teaching yourself I thought about doing a language like you've been doing cat <laughs> um just little things reading going even just going and laying out on the ground or walking barefoot on the ground just again it's just those things that connect you to yourself um giving you you know if you love cooking giving your time to experiment in the kitchen do stuff that isn't like i need to make something because i need to eat rather than i'm going to go and create something and anything creative is a lovely thing to do on your own um dancing singing meditate any kind of hobby um yeah and maybe just like you know even if it's pissing down rain go for a if you don't like walking in the rain i love it but you could just go for a drive have time out on your own or just even relaxing unplugging your phone turning your telly off and just being so there you go time on your own was that 10 tips or was that more than 10 tips i don't know (laughs) 10 (laughs) no it's all good stuff all right it's been fantastic and we look forward to the next one yeah thank Thank you for having me Bye. bye bye if you like this episode please do subscribe you can find us on twitter at women's underscore debate instagram women's masturbate all one word facebook women apostrophe s separate word mass separate word debate